You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Uh, Mark 3. Now, this is Jesus' call to his disciples three years earlier. Yes. Earlier than what? Oh, earlier than what we read last week. <laughs> okay. All right, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And now 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15. This is Paul writing 20-ish years later. Even though you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church. Amen and amen. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning. Um, we'll touch on some of those scriptures in a minute. Uh, how many were here last week? Hands up. Wow, good, good, good. So we were looking at, you know, the authority of Jesus when he rose from the dead. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And then what? Go, therefore, make disciples. So we're looking at discipleship. Um, how many parents in the room? Say, oh, sure, keep, keep them up. Let me see. If, 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 you know, parenting young children now or kids are growing up, okay, a lot of people can relate. If you're not a parent in the room, I trust you can relate uh, as we talk about this as well and connect with the thought. But how many of you know parenting changes you? Yes, okay, I got some laughing, sort of basically amens, right? Yes, of course. Um, how many of you remember your parents giving you instructions? Anybody? Okay. So, so, like, this is what we do, right? Um, but there's something that happens when you become a parent. Not only do you, like, parent these children, the children make you a parent. You know what I'm talking about, right? It forms you. It changes you. It shapes you as a person. And, um, and how many of you know that, like, as you're a parent, you start saying things that you remember hearing your parents say to you. Any, any parents know a thing or two about that? And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? And you're like, shoot, I, I used to hear this all the time, right? Nothing wrong with it. I'm not, my mom is questioning where I'm going here. Um, and so, you know, you begin to realize as you start saying these things to your kids that your parents meant it for your, for your good, right? Like start with the most basic when you're younger. Hey, brush your teeth. You know, like, like now as our kids get a little older, we're kind of like, you think you should brush your teeth? You know, but like when you're really young, it's like just brush your teeth. How many know that's good for you? Yes? Good. How many of you, your parents told you not to do drugs? 
That's good advice, okay? Don't do drugs. I did not listen to my parents when I was a teenager. That's another story for another day. But, uh, but anyway, it's like bad choice. I found out the hard way. I was like, oh, this is not, this is not good. Thank you, Jesus, saving my life. Um, or maybe bigger concepts. There's this one that I remember hearing my dad say that, that now as I am further along in the parenting journey, it's like really landing home for me. And he would say, rules without relationship. Anybody know how this finishes? Equals rebellion. Okay, rules without relationship equals rebellion. And it's this, it's more conceptual, right? But it's a bigger idea that as I go further along my journey, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. That, that makes sense. And so here we are. And, uh, and, and we're, we're growing through this experience, right, of, of taking responsibility for other human beings' lives and trying to impart to them the, the wisdom that has been given to us, right? And, um, and we find ourselves repeating these words and realizing, oh, my gosh, this was always for my good all along. And um, how many of you know when you're a parent and you're leaving the house your final parting words, they're usually important. Would you agree? Like, here's my number. If you need to call me, make sure you're in bed by this time. If there's a fire, this and that, there's this number called 911, right? Like, it's the parting words. This is like the critical stuff. Well, what we read last week were Jesus' parting words. Go make disciples, right? This was like his primary thing. If you catch anything from this life I've lived among you, showing you the way, catch this. Go make disciples. Teach them to do everything I taught you, right? And so with that in mind, um, what I want to say to you is that Jesus commands to us. This is a command. When he says, go, therefore, make disciples, he's not kind of like, if you feel like it. You know, he's like, he's like telling his followers, no, if you're going to follow me, this is what you do. And Jesus commands, you realize, they're always for your good. And Jesus' commands are also always for the good of others. And Jesus' commands are always good for the world at large. And so anything he's telling us, like my parents telling me to brush my teeth or not do drugs or all that sort of stuff, Jesus saying, go make disciples. It's good for you. It's good for others. And it's good for the world at large. And so there's this realization that I want us to catch as we think about this command from Jesus is the recognition that, oh, this is actually good for me. Huh. This isn't just like a, a to-do list that the king has given. He's actually saying, no, this is good for you. Okay? And with that in mind, we want to spend the next few weeks kind of talking about how Jesus did this. How he made disciples and what he taught. And I asked Kelly to read what she read to us this morning so we could get a picture at how Jesus made disciples. 
You may have heard this before. You may have noticed it. But when she read the part that confused her where she was like, three years before what? Because those were like my own notes for it. But uh, was, was that it says that Jesus was on a mountain. And he called to himself those he wanted, right? And specifically, so that what? Anybody catch it? I'll just tell you. That's okay. So that they might be with him. That was Jesus' simple discipleship strategy. Come be with me. Let's hang out. And then it says that he might send them to preach and to cast out demons and all that good stuff. In other words, though, you know, think of it in these terms. What did Jesus go about doing? Preaching and healing and casting out demons. So Jesus says, hey, come hang out with me. And then I'll send you out to do what I do. But first, come hang out with me. There is this process, this simple way that he calls and models discipleship. And I like to say, you've maybe heard me say this before, life on life. Life on life discipleship. This is the simple way that Jesus works. He says, come be with me. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the most formational influential people in my life are people that I've actually got to spend time with. There's great preachers. I've read great books. I've listened to all sorts of podcasts. If you know me, I listen to podcasts and read books all the time. And, um, but the ones that really shape me are people I got to spend time with. I, I, Telsey and I parent kids the way we do because of I would say, I, I think of a couple that we hung out with in California, Steve and Tracy Cooper. They, they had a big family, and they made us be like, we want to have like four or five kids when we get married. We got our four kids now, and we're set. Or I think of, um, I think of you know, the influence that my parents have had on my life. Or I think of the influence that Kim and Darlene Unra, who some of you know, have had on us and how we parent. Or I can honestly look out across you guys, our community, and think of the way you've influenced me because of getting to be in relationship together. There is something about life on life, discipleship, that is, you can't, you can't trade it, right? And I often heard of this, like transformation in our lives is something that's caught more than taught. Jesus didn't show us or teach us simply to share information, to share principles, to give people tips and tools. More than that. How many of you know that is essentially the way our culture tries to do things, right? We want want legislative reform. We want to, to change what we're educating the kids. And these are all important things, and it's not like they don't matter. But but Jesus is saying there's a simple way. Spend time together. Transfer who I am in your life to other people. Or maybe we we think we're going to change the world through protests. Maybe we think we're going to change the world through our social media presence, right? And all these things, guys, they matter. They really do matter. They're not like irrelevant. That's not what I'm trying to say. But how many of you are familiar with these like online life coaches? 
Anybody ever seen one of those guys? You get them showing up on your, on your news feed and stuff, right? And, and what they do, right, is, is they, they talk and they talk and they talk, kind of like I'm doing right now. But, uh, but they talk and talk and talk, all these promises about things they're going to teach you and show you about how to win at life and how to succeed and all this sort of stuff, right? But they never really tell you how. It's like it's all this kind of like baiting, and it's like I can tell you give me, you know, $250 a month or whatever their thing is. Then you can subscribe to these videos and get all the good stuff. And, you know, and, and, the, and the idea I want you to catch, though, is that Jesus doesn't call us as his church to just be these distant online life coaches rambling off stuff with empty promises. He's looking for spiritual fathers and mothers. And so I had Kelly read what, what Paul wrote, right? Paul and what she read for us from 1 Corinthians 4. He says, listen, guys, you have lots of guardians. You have lots of instructors in other translation. Today, he might say you have lots of social media, online life coaches. But you need mothers and fathers. And then he goes on. He says, imitate me. Right? Like he doesn't say, hey, I'll send you a book. Whatever, right? Imitate me. Remember how I lived when I was with you? And guess, know what's really cool in that scripture she read to us? Then he says, you know what I'm going to do? He doesn't actually say, I'm going to come to you guys. He says, I'm going to send Timothy, my son, whom I love, my son in Christ, the one who has learned from my life. And when Timothy, this one who spent a lot of time with me in my relationship with Jesus, comes to you, he's going to remind you of what? My way of life. My way of life in Christ. And then he, he, he follows it up, he finishes it with, which accords with everything I preach in every church everywhere. In other words, my words and my life line up. You guys realize like this is the kind of discipleship Jesus calls us to because life on life is, is a type of discipleship that, that produces healthy disciples who get what's actually in your life. It's like healthy family, right? You got lots of instructors, lots of coaches. You need mothers and fathers. Right? I would say to you this a healthy church is like a healthy family. And that healthy family that is a healthy church actually exists for the health of the world. Told you, right? Life on life discipleship, Jesus commands, is good for you, good for others, and good for the world. I want to talk to you a minute about how it's good for the world. You guys know that there's statistics out there that, that document correlation between crime rates in a city and healthy family structure. Anybody aware of this stuff? Anybody ever read anything like that? Okay. So, so maybe you've read different studies, but I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of one I was reading from. So this is comparing people who have come from healthy, intact homes... And if you haven't come from one, it's okay. Jesus has one for you. It's called his church, okay? Your situations and what's happened to you in your life does not define your destiny. He uses it. He redeems it. He makes it a part of it, okay? But it doesn't have to be 
your, your prison. What, what you, you guys get what I'm saying, right? Okay. So, in, in the healthy family structure, likelihood of ending up ever arrested in life, 5%. From broken family structure, likelihood of ever getting arrested in your life, 13%. So, so in other words, more than double the chance, depending on that history. If you ever are going to steal something worth over $50, okay, Anybody ever stole anything over $50? Come on, Flynn. I got my hand up, guys. It's the truth, okay? I'll tell you, we've got a whole other life I could tell you about. You got a glimpse of it already this morning. 13% chance from a healthy family, from an intact family where mom and dad love each other together, et cetera, et cetera. Broken family, 23% chance. So almost doubles. Almost doubles the chances. Last one violent crimes. 12% chance versus 34% chance. Almost triples, right? And so, so this is the kind of stuff that, that is actually, there's real data that shows it. And I believe that Jesus wants his family, his church, his people to be a healthy family. We're life on life, sharing together more than just this, speaking from the stage sort of stuff. Other studies you can look at, they, they actually, I won't go into it, but essentially a lot of um, professional, really smart people, okay, I'll just leave it at that for, for now, uh, say that drug addiction tends to be more of a relational problem than anything else. Poverty in a city, more of a relational breakdown than anything else. Just more material goods doesn't solve poverty issues. It's a relational issue. And the king of the universe, right, Jesus, we looked at it last week, raised from the dead and says, all authority in heaven and earth are mine. What were his instructions? Go make disciples. The way he did. Life on life, okay? That's where the rubber hits the road. I remember a mentor in our life, Telsey and I, from a very charismatic church that we were a part of. You may have heard of it, called Bethel Church in Redding, California. Uh, he would say, I don't care about what revelation or vision you had when you were in the prayer room if it doesn't change how you love people. If it doesn't actually boil down to where the rubber hits the road and how you do life with people, I really don't. He would say to us. And at the end of the day, what I'm getting at to you guys is that, is that people need to be loved. People need friends. We need healthy relationships. That's where the transference of all this good stuff we call the gospel really happens. And I just want to say to you, I really believe this, okay? I do not believe, even though we're streaming, hello, online community, that the future of the church is, I don't believe it's online. I believe that it serves a purpose. We wouldn't have cameras going, and again, we're glad you're with us. Uh, but I believe that, that, that one of the most powerful things of the gospel is that the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And for the church to be who the church is called to be, we have to understand the importance of incarnation. That's the theological term for Jesus, you know, the word becoming flesh, right? For us to actually be the church, we're called to be the body of Christ in the world. We need actual, like, human, I can touch you, I can hug you, you can see how I discipline my kids well or poorly, you know, and like all, all this sort of stuff. You, you get a glimpse behind the curtain, right? It's key. So that's, that's kind of me talking about this is good for the world, okay? I didn't know when I was preparing to share about this that Kimmy Fraser Earhart was going to be in the house today. Some of you may have no clue who she is, but if you did know, you would cheer louder than you cheered for me when Kelly said I was going to preach, Okay. By the, by the way, thank you, Kelly, for getting everybody to cheer a little more when you said I was going to preach. I was like, you know, I was like, should I even get up? No. Uh, not really. Okay. But, um, Kimmy, why don't you come on up here? Let's, let's give her another big life tree welcome. If, now, as she comes up, I do want to ask this question. How many of you were here, part of this community, 2013, 2014, and you remember Meta Ministry School? Okay, about half. Okay. So there's a, good, there's, a, there's, there's a good number of you who are like, I have no clue what you're talking about, and I have no clue who Kimmy is, okay? And so I just want to take a second. It mean, means you have to stand here silently and all that awkward stuff, but that's okay. Um, we love Kimmy. Kimmy is from Edmonton. Kimmy was um, this amazing story of how God connected us. We felt called as a church to do this discipleship program. Uh, essentially, we called it a ministry school, and, uh, and a team went to Edmonton to a youth conference, and were like, hey, come to our school, and they met Kimmy, and, uh, and Kimmy ended up here, and was a part of that school, and uh, I found out that Kimmy was going to be here this Sunday, and I was like, Kimmy, can you tell us about your experience as being a part of the Life Tree family? So Kimmy's going to tell us a little bit about how Life on Life discipleship is good for others by telling us her story, okay? You guys ready for that? Come on. Kimmy, we're so happy you're here, like for real. Here you go. Hello, Tansi, Tanshi, hello. Um, my name's Kimmy, <laughs> as you heard. Thank you so much for the introduction and invitation to share. Um, yeah, so um, I guess I'll start with who I am. So I'm a Métis woman from Edmonton, as Caleb said. And in basically um, 2014, no, I think 2013 is when it started, um, I went to the, the youth conference. And I had been coming from this place of, okay, I just met Jesus the year before. I didn't, I didn't really know who he was. Um, I was a part of a church, I was getting to know what's prayer, what's worship, all these things, what is, who's God, and um, I, because I had no idea, okay, like, I was like, oh, okay, he seems pretty cool, I guess I, seems like loving, I guess I want to know more about him, but I didn't know how or anything, so I was looking for, to travel, really, because my heart was, I wanted to see the world, I wanted to connect with people, and at that time, I just graduated um, from high school, and um, so I walked up, I saw this banner, and it was for some of the work that the, um, it was Line of Judah at that time, the community was doing um, 
with in Africa, and I had seen, I was like, oh, like maybe I can connect there. And then uh, Caleb and Danielle Ritter, um, they they were there talking with people, and it was actually for Meta, and I had no idea. I wasn't really interested. I was just like, so do you guys travel or not? Like, <laughs> okay, you do. Okay, I'll I'll look into it. So I got the brochure, and then I went, um, basically just took it home and put it on a shelf. And then um, a month or so later, a couple months later, I. Um, I had finished school and I wanted to learn more, but I didn't know where. So I found this brochure randomly and I had been asking God, like, what's next? What do I do? And um, it was for this ministry school, this opportunity to grow. And it just, I really had no idea what it was. And then I came and it was incredible to meet everybody in the community, right from, literally right from the get-go. Like my first weekend here, um, the the Gertzen family welcomed me in their home and for about two weeks before the Scott family welcomed me into their home and I lived with um, Rachel and David and their family for most of the time um, yeah <laughs> he knows them they're great <laughs> um, but I think the key here was just seeing what what is going on in this community why are these people so welcoming and loving to me <laughs> like I never experienced this kind of love, like where these homes are, uh, people are opening their space um, and they're having me for dinner. They're sharing their life with me. And I had no, um, I just was so blessed and I learned so much just from these different relationships. So um, I'm gonna, I don't wanna skip any pieces of the story here. So basically like, in my family growing up, there was like so much intergenerational trauma. Like my my family just it was so unstable and unhealthy, and I had I didn't have a lot of understanding. I wasn't totally angry or something. Of course, there was pain, but um, coming to be in people's homes showed me like oh, okay. Um, like one of the things I learned at Rachel and David's was seeing you can have a healthy marriage. <laughs> like you you can. You guys can have a little fight and not get mad and be evil to each other. <laughs> like you're very loving, even though you're upset with each other. Like, how did you do that? And it was safe and healthy to, to be real um, and to, to love each other. And so, like, that was a key uh, testimony in my life. I was like, oh, like, marriage doesn't have to be scary. It can be beautiful <laughs> and be loving. And um, or having safe homes for kids, like seeing. Um, the, f the, the way that different families connected with their kids. So like visiting with the Jalama family throughout the year just was such a blessing to me because I saw how um, Rose and Jarrett just like connected with their kids and made space not only for their family, but for so many other families. Like they welcome families from all different walks of life and um, different parts of the world to just be present. <laughs> it's not like a program to do that. Like of course there is systems that help make that an easy thing to do but just being open to having people in your home that to share a meal with to to serve to say hey like you're worth loving you actually you can you can have a good life and it doesn't have to look that way or and all these different things these different messages that we hear like in this space or we hear in prayer or we see Jesus teaching like that happens at the table and it's more real for it became real for me and it was like, 
wait, <laughs> Jesus does what? <laughs> How did you get here? Oh, because you experienced love personally. You personally know that you're loved and that connects you. That makes you able to love other people. And now you're able to love me. So that it's been really transformative for me um, in that year, but then connecting forward too. So there's, I'm just saying a few families, but really there's so many, like some families, um, the, it's like, one time I went out with one family and they just bought me new clothes. <laughs> I was a kid, I didn't have a job. Like I was trying to get a job, I'd never worked. <laughs> so instead Jesus was like, hey, you buy her some clothes. <laughs> I needed it. Um, and I, uh, I think another huge one was being in the community experiencing this. So um, we did, we had been fundraising for this, the missions work we were going to do in, with Dado's connection in Bosnia. And um, so, yeah, you lived there. It was awesome. So we, we were fundraising and what happened was the, what I saw happen with the ministry school, the thing is like, it's both, like, when Caleb says life on life, the ministry school connected to families. It wasn't just school, you know? Um, so it's really amazing to go to school during the week and get to study the word and ask big questions. There's incredible little like, um, moments and workshops like, Bruce, one of the biggest moments for me was when we did the Father's Heart Workshop. And, like, you showed me God's heart in a different way. It was like, he's a dad? <laughs> okay, and I can be mad at him? <laughs> Safe to be upset? Like, okay, like, that was, so you do all of this. And then, um, but in the evening and on the weekend, we're connect I was able as welcome to and connect with families. And so sitting at the table was where I got to even share my own personal reflections. Or um, I remember Rachel, one time she, I came home and I'm like, oh yeah, I just learned about prophecy this week. Like, just like hearing God's voice. I don't know, do you do this? And she's like, yeah, why don't you pray for me and hear God's voice? I'm like, oh, why don't I do that? <laughs> okay. Um, and then I saw this picture and it really hit her heart. And I was like, oh, that's how you do this. <laughs> this is this is it. It's not just in the classroom. It's not just in a church. And so, um, yeah, other families are so blessed to just, like, be challenged by to keep reaching out on the street. And lots of, like, I was thinking of today, um, Chad and Karen and Catherine and Lance and just some of the families there who had been going out and praying for people in the community. And, like, that was something that really connected with my heart. So, anyways, lots of families that I, I can't even list them all. Um, but, well, I guess the first thing is I want to say a thank you for that. Um, if you're here and you're hearing this message, thank you for the love you showed me, but also, like, keep going. <laughs> I know it's not always easy to do that. So it's it's um, something I've been able to take home, and it's getting to know Jesus in this way impacted me. So I, go, I went home. I wanted to stay after the program, um, but the Lord told me, he's like, if you stay here when you graduate, you'll be like Jonah. So... <laughs> go home. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to be like Jonah, so I'll go home. And it was, um, it was really impactful. It was really important that I went home because months after, one of the most traumatic things in our family peaked. And it was like, oh, I, the Lord prepared and he planned and he placed people where they need to be 
I was able to be there for my family and for my community in a way that um, I couldn't have done without knowing. I have the faith for this. I have been loved. I am loved without this. I'm loved um, in this. And these people around me, those causing pain and those in pain, are also loved without this. Like, so it, uh, I mean, it wasn't easy <laughs> just because I was like, these are really powerful things to say and whatnot. It still is hard and it still is hard. And there's lots of hard questions I bring to the Lord. Um, so um, the piece that I wanted to bring, especially with in reflecting on all of this, um, it, I was drawn to Romans 12, 2 to 8. And I'll just read it out loud. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And I'll pause there to say, like, that's something uh, we really focused on in Meta was being transformed in your mind and un renewing your mind and understanding the word. Um, for the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But think of yourself with sober judgment according to the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and not all members have the same function, so in Christ we who are many are one body, and each member belongs to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. It is, if it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is giving, let him give generously. If it is leading, let him lead with diligence. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And I, as we were talking, um, Caleb, on Friday, we were just talking about how each, each part of our community, um, has some, we get to connect with each other in different ways. We get to show Jesus in different ways. Um, and like each family showed me a different part of who Jesus is. I got to see this is Jesus in their home. This is Jesus in their home. And I connected with them in that way. And so it's not a, I think this call to discipleship, there has to be a really clear, like, you're not being asked to do it all. <laughs> you're not being asked to find a young person and teach them everything about the Bible and then pray for them, teach them to pray, you know, and help them set up a church. Like, that is not what you're being asked to do I think and I see this in my life like he's asking us to be real with each other to love each other and pray with each other in a moment um on us on an evening a Tuesday evening for dinner um going shopping with someone like that's how the clothes thing happened it really hit my heart because it was like oh Jesus sent people to care for me in ways I couldn't do on my own um so like just shopping <laughs> sounds like so normal right but it's because Jesus is in your life and he's showing through you in ways you can't control. You might not even know. And but what you can do is just share your life, right? So that's where the love comes through. And of course, um, sometimes that's at your capacity, right? Like it's maybe your capacity is having tea, or maybe it's just sending a note of love or praying for someone at home. Like that, like everyone's walking through different things, and Jesus doesn't shame any of that. He's with you in where you are, and he shines through you where you are. So that's where that sharing comes in. It's just at dinner or just whatever that gets to show. Um, so at home, um, it's been really cool to 
live this out like in a new space, right? So at home, um, when I went home, I got, I was, uh, Sharon and Jim Gallagher continued to show me love through uh, this online Bible study. Every week for a year, Sharon uh, logged on with me and taught me how to read the word with his eyes of love. Like, okay, like, how does this show me God's love? And there's some really tricky stories in there that like, I don't know, God, we have to walk through this. But that time, it was like an hour a week just going through this is God's love. And then, um, and what happened was I was able to do that with other folks around me at home. So some of the, my peers, some of the girls around me, we did a Bible study for a year and did the exact same thing. Let's explore God's love together. Um, the other piece was, um, so prayer. When I was here, it was incredible to get to practice prayer, to practice hearing God's voice, as I mentioned. And, and when I went home, um, I was looking for opportunities to keep growing in that. And so um, I joined a community called Resurgence. And this is a gathering, a uh, monthly gathering in Edmonton. And it's uh, got, we've got connections and we're growing always. But um, we pray for the community. We pray for, the, uh, for Edmonton, for Canada. We serve the, the nation like, in different ways. And but this community is a place to grow in prayer. So I just kept being able to grow in that and to share that with other people. So we did that. We did Camdus ministry with and, and just really helping others learn how to hear the Lord's voice and to practice that themselves. Like maybe you get a word wrong. I remember I've apologized. I'm like, I think I said that, but I don't feel the Lord on it. So maybe I said this wrong, you know, space to try that, to grow in your gifts is um like the he's it was in the scripture like if just keep growing let you grow in your gifts that you have right um so yeah it's been really impactful the impact that um this community and different families in this community have all had in my life um continues at where i'm at at home in edmonton where i'm able to make space for others to grow in prayer where i'm able to do to learn how to read the word and open my home where i can like these, it sounds all nice packaged together. Of course, there's growth and challenge in there. And um, for me, one of the big questions is always connected to um, my own community. So um, when I went home and I saw this trauma and I had this deep grace and compassion, but also deep, deep pain, I was like, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Um, and I was really, I was able to draw on my experience with Jesus knowing, okay, this is who Jesus is. This is who he sh he's shown himself to me to be. I experienced this love. Um, and then I learned also my, as, as a Métis woman, as an indigenous person, and I have an indigenous family, like, I'm like, why does this family have so much trauma? Where's this coming from? Um, because this, Obviously not our story. This is who we want to be, but what's what's happening here? So I I um, started a combined degree in Native Studies and Education, and um, I learned a lot about Indigenous experiences in Canada. Not only the Métis Nation, my family, but also uh, different First Nations and Inuit experiences. And so I started to learn about our legacy as Canadians. Like what happened in our history? How come we didn't learn this this way? What story did we learn about as Canadians? Um, and I also learned how 
trauma has biological impacts for seven generations. Intergenerational trauma has scientific background. Like, so when we're talking about healing um, for generations, like it's in me, like the stuff that happened, it's in me, you know? So um, there's healing for that, of course, but also like there's a system that made it this way, that made this normal and made this like, let's just, we can just continue on ignoring it. <laughs> no, we can't, let's talk about it. Um, and so another key piece in that is like, as a Christian, as someone who knows Jesus, I'm like, how do I, what is going on here? <laughs> like, um, can Jesus be in this world? Like, because historically, Jesus being in this world has violently hurt people. <laughs> like, there's, this is insanely traumatic. Um, this isn't, like, how did this happen? How did Jesus' name get used? Was there really love here? And I have lots of questions that I don't have the answers to yet, but I do, um, I draw on this place, this foundation of, I know who Jesus is to me. I know how Jesus revealed himself in love. So I know there's something, there's a lot missing here to make this okay, to make residential school systems okay, to make um, stereotypes like this, violent acts, okay, you know? So there's a lot there to process, but, um, it is in his love that I that I come back to, and I'm like, okay, so there's more. Jesus has love here, and there's healing to be had. There's justice to be had. There's truth. We It's going to take change, and it's going to take faith because we know there's more, that Jesus is more love, that he's above this type of system, um, that the Bible wasn't meant to be used as a, an, a, as a weapon, but it was. And we have to acknowledge that and respond. And like, how do we, how do we change the system we lived in today so that everybody feels welcome, so that everybody has a chance to get to know Jesus is actually loving and not be shamed for their culture? Like it, um, I look. I don't <laughs> like. I don't look indigenous, so I don't get racially profiled. The story that as Canadians we've learned about who indigenous people are, um, it's so flawed. But like my sister does, she does look indigenous, you know, so she gets treated differently than me. And um, as a Métis person in particular, like my family, we've had teachers tell us like, oh, that can't, our great grandma's in the grade four textbook, right, at, in Alberta. In, in one of the friendship centers, which is a place of gathering for indigenous people. She's in there and our teacher told her, like, you're not related to her. That's obviously, you're obviously lying. And it's like, well, why does that teacher believe it's okay to tell her who she is? She doesn't know. <laughs> like, so then addressing that, and that's kind of where my heart is individually, like connecting truth, love, passion, justice, making places safe to know who you are, to know who God made you to be, um, who your community is. Like, that's, for me, what I'm carrying today. Um, but, yeah, it's really, to me, really connected to relational living, which is what we're talking about today, is how we live in relationship with each other. Um, why don't our neighbors feel safe in our communities? Like, that takes relational living. And a big piece, too, so I've had some really beautiful conversations this weekend as I reconnected with friends, and a big piece, too, is it's gonna take grieving with each other. It's like indigenous families have been praying. They've been reaching out to God for so long. The story we get told though is 
like that they're not they don't know Jesus we have to go help them <laughs> it's like well whoa 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 like Jesus is there like he's these families have been praying for so long like some of these like you can't just say that like that narrative that we just got to help the natives you know like no like um we have to be in good relationship we don't need to go and help people we need to love and be loving and to learn and that that piece of grief and that piece of learning i, th I picked out four i should say holy spirit highlighted four c words for me <laughs> um courage curiosity compassion and capacity so um so courage it takes courage to share your life it takes courage to open the to open your table to someone who's different than you to or have a coffee with someone or say hello to someone on the street it takes courage it takes courage to say god i think i should pray for them i should just and takes takes faith in that that piece of courage it takes faith but that's something you can grow in the lord with but um it takes curiosity um so if you don't want to learn you won't <laughs> if you don't i was saying uh to tim uh that if he's he wanted to learn a lang a word in our in my language and he asked me how do you say hello you know and i said tanse you say tanse and he's like that's easy to learn sounds like something we can learn and i'm like well if you want to <laughs> i've had a lot of conversations where people don't want to learn it's very it's way more comfortable to not learn and just be like well that's for you and um, there's a lot of things that are just for indigenous communities um but that's not everything <laughs> and it doesn't mean you shouldn't be curious and it'd be learning right so this opportunity to learn to be like oh let's ask a question let's what do you mean how do you talk about your identity um so that curiosity is essential in relationship building if you come at it like i'm just going to teach you then you're like, no thank you love you but no <laughs> need some space from that <laughs> so um compassion too there's a lot of uh i mean i think this is a big one we are growing in today as we learn more about the impacts of residential schools we're like oh well, that's that's a lot of kids who died because of the church like what happened there right now we're developing this compassion and we're grieving with our neighbors but there's um also individual compassion like how does this impact your family today it's not just other groups or something it's your family how do we have that family connection um and that's the same with all walks of life with discipleship in everyone's life that you need that curiosity and that compassion for them where, where where's that coming from how's that happening how does that impact you that's what these families did for me too they had they saw like why did oh interesting you didn't experience this love before <laughs> like, let's let's talk about that you know um and then the piece last piece i think is really important is capacity because if if you think that you're going to be the one to be the only one to share jesus it's going to be really a lot of pressure and that's really not fair and it's really inaccurate like because jesus has done something in you that he's done something different in another person and he's didn't design it to be one person after him so um yeah that's kind of what i had to share today about discipleship about the impacts that discipleship has had on my life and about what i'm seeing jesus do in my heart and in my community's life as well um so 
yeah, I have some I have some little resources that if you're curious about the Métis Nation, you're welcome to come in and ask me later. Um, I'd love to share. But um, and if you if you're curious about discipleship or anything I shared, like I'm happy to share and connect with you and pray with you. Um, I love to pray. I was telling Kate, like I love praying. That's what I do in our community. And if you want prayer, like I'm here for it. <laughs> so um, yeah, thanks for letting me share today. I love you, Kimmy. Thank you so much. So those of you who didn't know Kimmy before today, now do you understand why we're so happy she's here? I don't know if you guys caught it, but I said at the beginning that this life on life is it's good for you, it's good for others, it's good for the world. And when I listen to Kimmy talk, I'm like, I can see all those layers, right? Like what God did in her today is actually leading her into work that is intended to affect the nation. She didn't mention it herself, but she's beginning studying for her master's this summer. And uh, she is a brilliant, brilliant individual that we are grateful to know. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say to you guys, you know, I talked to you about how it's good for you to do life on life. And I just want to, I just want to leave that there for today. Uh, I'm not going to try to convince you anymore as to why it's good for you. I'll just say this. Uh, when you step into taking responsibility for other people and make space for it in your life, it causes you to grow. We started this morning talking about parenting, and anybody who knows, when you take responsibility for another person, it causes you to grow. And the same can be said about this. These stories can be talked about. I love that it was name after name after name. You know, Kimmy's not just up here telling us ideas. She's talking about people who affected her life. And um, you may look at Jesus' call to this life-on-life discipleship and be like, oh, yeah, that sounds easy. I could do that. And that's great. If you left today feeling convinced that it's easy, all i got to do is make a meal or whatever, that's great. But it also will cost. It will be inconvenient and require intentionality. And what I just want to say to you as you maybe find yourself looking at some of that inconvenience or intentionality required is look at Jesus. Who knows Jesus was inconvenienced for you? Can I just see a show of hands if you know Jesus was inconvenienced for you? You know, Jesus was very intentional in pursuing you. Can I get a show of hands on that one? Should be the same people, I hope. Good. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite Kelly to come on up and close us out. Father, we ask that you would show us your heart and your way. And more than any words or any stories, can we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to, uh, to show us how Jesus gave his life for us, shared his life with us, that we might be changed, and through that, others in the world around us would be changed. Amen.
I just have one last scripture to share with us before we go home. And it's Acts 17, verse 26. And it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. I take such encouragement from the scripture because basically what it means is God determined exactly where I should live in the time in history that I'm living in that place. He knows exactly who my neighbors are. He knew who was going to move in after I came in. Um, so I just, since this morning, just want to encourage y'all that uh, you can walk in the calling of discipleship confidently because God has placed you exactly where you're at. Uh, exactly where you need to be where you're at. Um, so I hope that, that that encourages you. I hope that you leave feeling um, empowered by the call of Jesus on your life um, and also um, feeling like you can do it. Sometimes it starts just in your family. Like sometimes you got a, a family member that doesn't know Jesus and, and that's the one person you need to start inviting out to eat. Um, so I just, yeah, just be encouraged that he has you exactly where you need to be. You're here for a purpose and a reason. And you heard every story today because he's seeding something into you. So, um, and talking about that life on life, if you're new to our community, I can smell the food down the hall. We got a lot of food. So please pop in or maybe you can't stay for lunch. Just come in and pop your head in and say hello. We want to get to know you more. So Father, we thank you for this day. And thank you for this community, Lord Jesus. And if any of you need prayer, please come up and find one of us. We'll be standing here for a few minutes. But we love you. Thank you so much for being with us today. We love you guys online. Thank you for joining us. We want to see your face one day, if it's possible. <laughs> We'd love to shake hands, give you a hug. And thank you so much for coming. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree. We are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.